Well, I'm Bishop Tom Daly from the Diocese of Spokane here in Eastern Washington, and our show normally is called The Bishop and the Vickers. I've given the Vickers the summer off. We don't know where they are, but they're, I know, caring for the people of God in their parishes. Joining me today uh, is a special group of women uh, very involved in our diocese. Um, certainly, many of you know Sister Mary Agrista of the Sisters of Mary Mother Church. She is, has been a teacher, and she works at our retreat house and does many other uh, things for our local church. We have Charlotte Oliva and her daughter, Laura, uh, great people in our diocese, very involved. Uh, Laura has been a teacher and is uh, with her children now. And uh, Charlotte has, is a wife and a mom and, and very involved in the pro-life movement within our diocese. The voice often behind identified as Mary Richards is actually Hillary Hammett, our executive producer. And joining us along with Hillary is uh, her daughter Stephanie, who just graduated recently from Thomas Aquinas College in California. Much has been uh, going on in our culture. We started with this, the Me Too movement. It, it raised awareness of the situations that women have endured in the workplace, especially in the media and Hollywood. Some things came up about the restaurant business and the lack of respect for women. And it's produced in so many ways uh, um, it's raised the issues to the, to the forefront, but in so doing, many have written articles in the newspaper and media has spoken about, is this a way to bring about healing and put an end to this type of uh, poor behavior? In fact, can we find the dignity of men and women and foster a mutual respect that doesn't come across as furthering this divide between people. Uh, Sister, you had some insights, I think, before we were prepping for the show. Maybe you can share with our listening audience. And, and again, uh, Charlotte and Laura and Stephanie and Hillary, please jump in as, as you see. Uh, there are areas now where men are, in some cases, being dismissed or maybe even denigrated um, at the expense of, of women, um, which uh, I know that uh, Heather McDonald talks about it in her uh, from the Manhattan Institute, uh, the negative impact of the Me Too movement. But you know, uh, women obviously have uh, a, a beautiful um, a beautiful unity that they're capable of in society, and for them uh, to come to the forefront like this is a really great opportunity for them to start gathering people instead of uh, trying to disperse at the expense of men. By that I mean um, that they would be, uh, you know, um, well, not just hired in place of men because women need jobs too. But you know, uh, I, I think that sometimes we can see men not coming to their to their full potential in the face of women who are being brought forward in their place. Go ahead and jump in. I, I agree, sister. I think some of this division is artificial and it's paradoxically as women seek greater power in society along with the sort of perversion of the women's, the original women's movement. Um, uh, they're, they're looking for power, which they define individually. So there's a huge range of what that means to individuals, but it drives this division between men and women. And I am reminded of Fulton Sheen saying that a society rises to the level of its womanhood. And when a woman is a woman of character and virtue, the man has to rise to that level in order to win her. So we have a lot of power as mothers and as wives and mates, helpmates, uh, that 
we can use to its best advantage when we are our best selves, which ultimately has to be unselfish. Charlotte, I know uh, as, a, as, a, as a wife and mom that, you know, with, with knowing um, uh, Al, your husband, but uh, for those of you, maybe Laura, uh, as, as uh, working and, and um, maybe in a perspective along with uh, Stephanie as a, as a college graduate, what, what are you up against when you uh, try to speak things that sister and sh your mom are speaking about, about the, the dignity and the helpmate and placing this? I imagine it must be a bit of a challenge as, as young, articulate, successful people to confront that in a way that uh, brings about truth. Well, thank you, Bishop. I think it is, and I think in large degree it's due to this misunderstanding in our culture that, you know, we want something, uh, we want equality maybe in the workplace or maybe in um, academic life, and people have misunderstood equality to mean sameness, so that women have to be the same as men, doing what men do as men do it. And I think that's a real um, shame because it neglects the unique gifts that women bring to every enterprise, whether it be in the home or the workplace, and it denies some of our uniqueness. And so when I kind of talk to people, um, especially my friends that are pretty militant um, feminists, I try to uh, enunciate this idea that we have equality um, in our dignity, certainly before God. We are all God's children, all necessary, but we don't have sameness, that I bring a unique um, set of gifts to the parenting enterprise. For example, that I mother, whereas my husband fathers, and those are very different things and that our children need both, and really our society needs both. And so um, I think we can help people remember um, when we're having these discussions what, what our different gifts and talents mm -hmm. are, and we can't be one without the other. There needs to be a real uh, partnership um, in, in all our endeavors. Well, it's certainly one of the reasons when, when this topic was surfaced about a month ago, or, or more than that with the Vickers, and I know uh, uh, Hillary had brought this up, it was about how divisive, we keep going back to that word, but when you speak about a partnership, that's really kind of reclaiming it. I don't know, uh, Hillary, any insights that you have, or Stephanie, on this, uh, you know, again, the, the circles in, in this group of, of um, uh, our guests contributing today, you have a variety of, of audiences and, and groups of people that you live and work with, and, and maybe, you know, Hillary, coming from both living in California and now up here, um, what have you found to, uh, in your circles of people, when, the, when this topic comes up, um, how do you address it? How do you speak to it? Well, it is, a, a, in fact, a very polarizing uh, topic, and there's a lot of emotion uh, on both sides. There's uh, shame that is felt by men because, you know, there are, uh, there's, a, there's, there's so much antagonism about it, and there's a sense of embarrassment, um, but uh, for uh, from women, there's a sense of disappointment and um, uh, real anguish at times, and and really, I think there's a sense that they're they're they ha they feel a bit let down, um, the, the things that they were taught or, or believed and um, actions taken, perhaps didn't square up in the end, and they're they're feeling dismayed and and. Um, uh, uh, disappointed, and so instead of uh, there, there's this sort of natural slide that has taken place of uh, where women have felt just angry, and then uh, 
have begun to blame and point, and, and it's not really productive, and it appears to be uh, almost um, <clears throat> uh, cannibalizing in, in some ways, and it's, it's um, I think, uh, where we need to pay attention to the dominating factors that have caused the, the pain. We need to pay much closer attention to ways that we can speak life and love and light and healing and joy right into the middle of these uh, uh, broken areas of our culture, in our, in our own individual lives perhaps, in our own families, our neighborhoods. Um, so I, those, I've noticed this happening and, and have a real desire to uh, sort of um, refocus our attention on those things that draw us together and uh, Stephanie, would you like to comment from your perspective? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going back to something Laura was saying about the difference between between equality and sameness. Um, <laughs> microphone. Um, there's this there's this concept in uh, this example that Aristotle uses when he's talking about uh, gaining. Um, <laughs> when he's talking about um, sorry. Microphone again. Um, when he's talking about uh, growing in virtues and how, when you are uh, beginning, you have the, the, the concept of bending the stick past the middle, basically. And I think that concept is really important in what we're seeing and how um, uh, the inequality between men and women in, in our society today is kind of playing out. What you see is <clears throat> for such a long time, women were seen as totally subordinate, and then um, because there's we're uh, focusing more on equality now, we think, oh, we have to bend the stick past the middle. We have to make men subordinate for a time or something, and then maybe we'll rest in the middle and we'll actually be equal. I think that, I mean, it, it, you can sort of make sense of that, but it's looking at it from the, the wrong perspective of thinking of equality and sameness as the same. Well, I think, Stephanie, that's a very good point because so much of this has been um, a reaction to punish, and uh, yeah. there should be uh, consequences for the behavior, like the whole, you know, when uh, Harvey Weinstein had to uh, uh, surrender, and he's out on bail, I guess a million dollars bail, surrender his passport. but. Um, you know, how do we get to this point uh, where um, for so long that individuals, one individual would be so um, damaging in the lives of people? And I think raising the awareness, I mean, uh, from the point of view of virtue, I think the church, I mentioned in one of the earlier shows that uh, we, the Bishop's Conference, we were looking at a draft on racism. And absent from the first draft was essentially the notion of the dignity of the human person. And as the Catholic Church, that has been a consistent message we have, that when you treat people as beloved sons and daughters of God, where you foster virtue, the type of virtue that's been spoken of, that the thought of using people in such a way would be unheard of. We would put it in the category, this is not what someone does when they want to live a life pleasing to God. Well, that language is absent in this culture that is trying to probably bend the stick back and I think um, it's so important in the, in the circles of people that you uh, identify in the, as lay people in the world uh, er, um, 
to bring this conversation in a way that probably they'll listen more to you than certainly the church. Mm -hmm. Sister, you're going to say something, or was it just a commercial break? No. Which we will be taking a break in about a few minutes. We're talking about just this notion of it began with the Me Too movement, but uh, here in uh, replacing the vicars for our show are women from our diocese, a religious woman, uh, uh, lay women, a uh, recent college graduate, uh, wives and moms who have been in the world and bring a perspective of pleading for our unity. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Thank you. Bishop Tom Daly from the Diocese of Spokane. Again, we're welcome. It's our second half of our show, and the bishop and vicars, the vicars have uh, the year off, and um, we will, I'm fortunate to have some guests present, uh, Sister Mary Ugrista, um, Charlotte Oliva, uh, Laura Oliva, Stephanie Hammett, and Hillary Hammett, who are, we're trying to address this issue with the, the feminine insight um, about that movement that was afoot, the Me Too movement, and you know, at the break we talked about uh, the dignity of the human person. As the church, we believe that individuals, men and women, beloved sons and daughters of God, have a dignity that, that's respected. And if that respect was present, we would not have as many of these problems that uh, people are being used by individuals and harmed in so many ways. What is the remedy, as much as possible, that, that our listening audience could find the wisdom that you share? Charlotte? Well, Stephanie talked about the overcorrection, and Bishop, I think, summed it up as a punishment for men's bad behavior, that women are now going to extract some punishment and laud over them and now be in the offending role of being superior person. But uh, regarding Bishop's comment on the individual's dignity, I think that's where women have a wonderful role as mothers, spiritual and physical mothers. We see the other in all their beauty and their flaws. And as mothers, we try to raise our children up, knowing their strengths, correcting their, their weaknesses, and knowing how, how beloved they are. We, we're responsible to show them every moment how much we love them, whether we're disciplining them or just appreciating, appreciating them. So it's a, it's a medicinal role uh, for all of society, if we, can, if we can extend that to each person that we meet, see them as the child of God and treat them as such. Mm -hmm. and, and even in you know, the, the workplace, it wouldn't, I mean, we bring to the workplace what we exhibit at home and what we receive from our own mothers in the sense of nurturing, um, love, uh, inspiring, and I think that women have a, a, such an opportunity today in, in understanding that uh, they can be uh, they can be engineers. They can be uh, you know heads of, you know producers of, of of companies and and in companies do all kinds of amazing things. But they can still bring that gift of leadership and love and nurturing and joy to and beauty to the workplace. Laura, I agree with you, sister. I think um, part of that is kind of this understanding that all women possess. Um, maternal gifts, and that for some women it's a spiritual motherhood, as you so beautifully uh, example, and then for Thank other you. women it's this um, this real physical, biological motherhood 
And I think in um, reiterating what Bishop had to say about us being children of God, unfortunately in our culture we um, have a misunderstanding of what the human person is and what he or she is for. And I think if we can help remind people that we are subjects meant to be loved and not objects that can be used or abused or mistreated, that will go a long way in helping to remedy some of the, um, the bad behavior that um, people like Harvey Weinstein, who are caught up in this, have, have exam uh, exampled. And um, I think our culture needs to return to this idea that the human person has this integrity because of their belovedness. And if we can get people to see that, um, and that they ought not be used and that they ought not use others simultaneously, then that's going to go a long way to help heal some of the deep wounds. When we, um, yeah, as a church, sometimes, well, who are you to say, I mean, the church with the sexual abuse uh, crisis where, again, children, truly beloved sons and daughters of God, were harmed by clerics. Certainly it affected the credibility of the church. The, the, the abortion vote in, in Ireland was seen in so many ways. The New York Times said it as a rebuke of the church. And the church has its ability to speak on these profound issues was compromised by our own forgetting or negligence and sinful behavior, uh, protecting the dignity of the most vulnerable children. We're talking in the second half about the remedy, and um, a topic that often comes up uh, on other shows is, um, and we've touched on, is the beauty. Uh, the beauty is in, in, in this world that there's so much, the focus is on what is bad. What about the, how is beauty, uh, capturing the beauty, Hillary, how do you see that as a way to bring about somewhat of a moving forward and a healing that we have, a, 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 a capturing the goodness of people? Yes, yeah. I think um, re, uh, re, uh, taking a fresh look at the beautiful um, is something that we're, we're captivated by when we're when we encounter it. Um, uh, beauty, as in, in from the objective senses, uh, consists of uh, three things: um, wholeness, harmony, and radiance. And these things um, are also a picture of of the unity in God as a Trinity of being. And um, we, I think, very recently saw uh, in our culture, uh, very widely seen, was this sort of um, what I would call a, a type of pilgrimage. And pilgrimages, there's a revival uh, in our culture of people going on pilgrimage, um, uh, whether it's in Spain, the Camino de Santiago, or um, whether it's uh, you know in Lourdes. our local uh, to Lourdes in France, which beautiful uh, experience. Um, it's um, it the, the beautiful transcends our natural boundaries, our prejudices, our preconceptions, and has this way of of sort of striking us in, to the core, uh, to where we recognize something. It's it's what we what we experience when we look at a beautiful sunrise or sunset, it's just it's that ah moment, you know, that uh, reminds us of something very, very elemental. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we happened, it happened to be Pentecost in the church, which um, our culture would say, oh, you know, another dusty old tradition. Well, on the eve of Pentecost, uh, 600 guests packed into St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle, um, very, very carefully following protocols and traditions and 
there's each one uh, participated in in a uh, an element of the sacred. There there was this um, inescapable uh, captive audience. You you couldn't miss the beauty that was before you with one bride uh, making her uh, taking her intentional steps to the altar to be joined to her groom. And in the process, um, uh, you know, there, there, were, there was music uh, for the ears. There, was, there were words that were spoken that uh, perhaps hadn't been heard ever in some cases, uh, perhaps um, revisited for others. But they came with a sense of life and joy that was um, apparent. And then I thought also uh, the reactions to the American Bishop Michael Curry who um, touched on um, the theme of fire and love uh, as, as a uh, mirror of this. And he quoted um, our, uh, one of our Catholic priests up here, uh, Tihar de Chardin, uh, who, who wrote, uh, someday after mastering the winds, the waves, the tides, and gravity, we shall harness for God the energies of love. And then, for a second time in the history of the world, man will have discovered fire. And so this concept of, of you know, just getting right back down to our elemental roots, um, rediscovering the things that help us heal and overcome our divisions and our, our um, brokenness, uh, he, you know, he breathed new life into this entire idea and invited everyone present to participate in the joy of it and to take it with them when they left. The other uh, wonderful thing I thought that came of this sort of, you know, um, marriage is, is um, uh, up for question in our culture. Uh, it's, is it really necessary anymore? Does it have any meaning? Well, it, apparently it does. <laughs> And, and I would say, too, um, there's, uh, Gustav Mahler has said that, that um, tradition is not the worship of ashes, but the preservation of fire. So here we all, you know, a billion and a half people marched in before their whatever device or television and, and watched this beautiful sacred event occurring with very inhuman people from very dysfunctional families yet coming together you know, in the, invited in it to share in the mirth of belief. Mm -hmm. And uh, and to witness beauty. Yes. And not only witness beauty, but they were engaging in something very transcendent and very uh, core to human, uh, to the human condition. And the human, um, I mean, it's really where we're all headed. It started in Genesis with Adam and Eve, and we go to the marriage feast of the Lamb. Mm -hmm. And an understanding of theater gives you uh, tragedy and comedy. And uh, tragedy is the one that we probably less favor if we're going to have a good day here. But uh, comedy always ends in a marriage. And, you know, what is a marriage but that gathering, that coming together of who? Man and woman. And we are, this is the human race. We are together. And if this isn't a way for us to understand Christ and his church and to truly understand, too, that uh, men and women giving each other equal dignity to do what they're good at and come to the fore and, and be leaders and to shine, isn't this what 
they were kind of witnessing there in that in that church in that chapel. Well, I think you know as we uh, the show began with uh, the reality of this uh, public shaming and calling out on behavior that uh, was never. This is a religious show. We're going to say God's intention of the relationship between men and men and women is not to be something to be used and certainly abused and even violated by some things will come out with some of the the characters who've who've harmed and taken advantage of. And it's been, you know, there was a several actors were talking about being victimized uh, by male producers when they were young in the whole Hollywood section. But we can dwell on that and not find, uh, hopefully, a remedy. But as a people of faith, we're meant to be a people of hope. And as I've often defined in speaking, the uh, difference between optimism and hope is optimism is wishful thinking. Hope is reality grounded in faith. And some of what you're talking about, about beauty, rediscovering beauty, not being solely um, captured and locked in to the horrible situations that people or women are coming forward on, but how do we, as Sister said, speak about that, that dignity, that inherent thing? And, and go ahead. Well, you know, who comes to mind right now is the Blessed Virgin Mary, and she is the, um, she's the star, she's the radiant light, she is beauty, she's whom God chose to, uh, to, to lead us back to him. And uh, Jesus chose her to come to us. We can choose her to go back to him. But she's also our model. She's the perfect disciple, and she's the mother of the church. And the church is, that's us. We join with Christ, and we become that great marriage feast in heaven. So Mary's the woman, and boy, me too. <laughs> Very good, sister. Well, thanks, sister Laura. Charlotte, Stephanie, and Hillary. Uh, again, during the summer, we will be having shows when we'll have special guests who come in and offer insight, uh, valuable insight. We thank you. God bless. Thanks.